Welcome to Making Action Happen with Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain. We're here to discuss public policy issues in our home state of Colorado and beyond. Making Action Happen is presented by Action 22. Find out about our organization at action22.org. Now, here are your hosts, Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Making Action Happen. I'm Sarah Blackhurst. And I'm Brian McCain, rudely looking at my phone right now. Uh, that's okay. That's what you always do. So all the pictures you see of Brian Dean McCain doing that. I'm pulling up an email so that there's we're going to really, talk about. So there's really a, a gift. We, Mike and I were talking about this, about being able to do research really fast. Yep. Knowing how to do that, that really is a skill. So everybody has access to all this information, but knowing how to find it quickly, that is a... That is a skill. Yep. Um, what, what's his name on Joe Rogan? Young Jamie. Jamie. Young, Young Jamie. Jamie. Young Jamie. Um, yeah. So he's a badass. This today is Veterans Day observed, and yes, I want to bring in a veteran next week to talk, um, just because that's what we do. But we, you know, tomorrow, which is Saturday, you won't hear this till Monday. Um, it's pretty cool because there's so many things happening in Pueblo. It's kind of like we hit that COVID slump. Yeah. And now we're finally pulling out of it. So, you know, I'll be at the parade um, or I was at the parade when you're listening to this. And it's yes. just like a ton of events. It's really cool. It's really fun. I actually enjoy Veterans Day. And uh, today is actually the Marine Corps' birthday. Which yes. I was not a Marine, which means that a lot of Marines, probably 20% of them will be in the drunk tank or in jail tomorrow morning. So <laughs> say a prayer for the Marines going to jail yeah, tonight. God bless the Marines, all of them. Yeah. Every last one started in a bar, every last one. Yep. So we had an interesting week this week because of course it was November 7th and there were elections happening. Yep. And if you get my emails, you already know, a little bit how we feel about this, but this was really some unexpected things. And I mean, there's always unexpected things with, with elections, but this was, uh, there was a few things that we really, um, had our, had our eyebrows up about, had some, some thoughts about. And so I kind of want to talk about that. Uh, we're going to, we're going to talk about what nobody else seems to be talking about in a little bit, but first let's talk about the, uh, massive failure of HH. So it was interesting. If you remember, we, there's been a lot of discussion, and I'm sure everybody you saw the all of the ads and and you know both sides, proponents and opponents, were you know apparently there's misinformation on both sides, and there's all yes. this other stuff, and a ton of money went into this. So yeah, I, it's interesting because. Some people said a ton went into it, but then I was reading articles and they're like, not much money was spent on this. But I, I don't think that's true because I know Kyle Clark did something tracing the Republican side of it to some money. And I know the Dems had money too, but I honestly, I didn't see a lot of, um, I think I only got one mailer on it. Did you get any? Um, I, I don't know the mailers. I know mailers are really highly effective still to this day, but honestly, the mailers just at my house just it, go straight to the, the burn pile. What about, but um, I don't think I did. I don't think I saw a, a single mailer. So I don't watch like normal TV. So I, yeah, know, me I watch too. Netflix, so I didn't see any ads. I saw maybe one or two pop up on 
YouTube or something, you know, where you get the localized ads. Yeah. And, and it was, I think I saw one for it, one against it. So we watch normal TV at our house, but they're all sports related. So that's the okay. only thing that, that happens at, at our house with regard to commercial TV. Here was what was really interesting to me. Probably a month or more ago, I decided to just Google HH, Prop HH Colorado. Yeah. And all of it, all of it, when I just did that, was positive proponents. Let's see. I'm going to Google it right now. And then, so in order to get the opposing view, I had to say opposition. Yeah. Prop HH. So you would think that it would, when you just did it where it wasn't, like it was kind of generic like that, that both sides would pop up. But I didn't find that. Yeah, it's, um, well, I'm getting all the news saying, you know, Prop HH yeah. election results. But, yeah, it's just the positive that comes up. So this was more than tw- a 20-point spread. Yeah. And I thought, you know, we had Mike Beasley on. He said he didn't think it would pass. I said I thought it would pass just because the way it was worded, how it alleviates, like, the burden of higher taxes, property tax. Yeah. And I thought that's what the voters would read. And of course, everybody's hurting and they just, you know, say, yeah, I want my property taxes down. But it, it fell pretty bad. So here was the thing. I didn't think it would pass. And the reason I didn't think it would pass was because it was, I thought it was just too complicated. Yes. It didn't, it didn't make any sense. And the blue book was like 12 pages. That being said, I'm kind of like you that I think the reasons, and you know, we're not as seasoned as Beasley. Nobody knows as much as Beasley, but uh, I think that it was more than that. I, in th- just talking with people and just saying, what do you think or, or whatever, or getting the questions yeah. and then looking at what the questions were. I think it was a lot more. I think that the confusion actually caused people to dive in a little bit more on their research yeah. that they have with past. Also, I heard from a few people that I would not expect this, but it was, no, it, it's a statute change. And they were like, we know, like, I never vote for that. I never that's, that is true that. too. And I hadn't thought about that, but that's true. I, I never vote for statute changes. I don't, I don't like messing with the constitution. So if you look at the map county by county, these are the counties that voted for it. Only four Denver County, Boulder County, um, wherever Aspen's at, what is that? Eagle summit. and then our summit. And then where Telluride is at, which is, I forget that County. Um, so those three are, those four are basically the tourist towns. Right. And that's where probably property taxes skyrocketed in Aspen and Telluride. And then one County in the Valley voted for it as well. Uh, which County is that? Uh, Castilla, Castilla County. Yeah. So Castilla County voted for it, but the other four, so five counties were in support of it. I mean, Castilla County, there's not that many people down there. Well, there's not, but I'll tell you, um, in Castilla County, that was where that one incident where his, um, his property or appraisal value went like tripled. So he, he went to oppose it. So it went from his, no, maybe it doubled. So I think, or it could have tripled anyway. So it went from being like, worth like 75,000 and then it was 300,000 and he appealed it. And then it was all of a sudden it was 600,000. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Castilla County, that makes sense. That got a lot of coverage and I'm probably not getting the numbers right. I'm just saying that it was dramatic um, there in Castilla County. And it was part of it is because after the fire, you saw a lot of, um, 
you saw a lot of out of state money come up in, and it was a bit of a land grab down there. Yeah. So what, what, uh, property was going for changed dramatically in the last couple of years. So it, there's, there's a, a disparity there. And I'm just rounding, but it was 60, 40, 60 against and 44. That's huge. That's yeah. a, that's 20. a 20 point spread is yeah. huge, huge, huge. Technically it was 60.16 and 39.84, but so here's the other interesting part of that. And, um, one is that the, I think that the voters, we're far more educated on this than they, we got yes. more questions on this than anything else. And we really did our due diligence in, in inviting both sides to the discussion. And to um, prop I, I passed. Yay. We were happy about that. Yeah. Which means they actually read it yep. because some people thought it was just like a tax or something, you yeah. know, or, but that, that shows me that that one failed. And then I, I passed meant that the voters actually read what it did. Yeah. And did their research. You no, know, and I, I think that's I think that's what happened. And there was less on the there was less on the ballot this year. It was because it was confusing. They wanted to get um in there. And sort of the timing of everything was a little bit a little bit odd. So here was the next part. There is going to be a legislative or there is going to be a special session November seventeenth. So that's yep. it has to go three days. Minimum the, of three days, right? Right. It could go longer. It could go longer, but they'll do it. But <laughs> this is kind of a dick move. Isn't this what the Republicans were asking for like multiple yeah, times? Twice. And they, twice and, they asked for it. And the governor probably thought that HH was going to pass, which is why he did the whole smash the glass thing and say, we got to have a special session on property tax. So, so it has to go at least three days. It has to go at least three and days. In the special session, I'll play really dumb here. So, do they do anything in that, or is that where they discuss and figure out bills to introduce to deal with? No, no. Tax? There's very specific things okay. that they have to do. They can't just you know show up and, and come up with a, a a couple of different things. So let me tell you the timing on this. So it's the 17th, which is a Friday, which means they're going to be in session Friday, Saturday, Sunday for sure. The following week is Thanksgiving. Yep. So that so the pressure's on, right? So they want to get it done. So, so they, they want to get it done as quickly as possible. So. Uh, I think you have, you're looking at there, what the specifically. Yeah. So the governor sets the call or list of topics that can be introduced for bills in a special session. And those topics are limited to residential property tax relief for 2023 and establishment of a Colorado summer EBT program for low income children to be able to access food benefits funded by drawing down 35 million in federal funds. So. So I have so, I have so many so questions. So that has nothing to do with HH. The it EBT has no, thing. The EBT just, has nothing to do with HH. They have money from the feds for school or for food for so right, right, right. So, so that's pretty easy. But why are we having a special? Why are we shoving that into the special session? I don't know. That was my next question. Why is this to it, or is it something that they just got the money and they have to do it? So I think there's a lot of that going around where I was just having this conversation with somebody else. They're saying, why is that? Why is this happening right now? And yeah. I said, I think that you're on, they're on a deadline for spending some of the, the relief, the federal relief. Yeah, funds. that could be it. So, so I think that's what it is. Nothing it's, I mean, it's not, it's not anything, um, but you know, it, it begs the question, why are, why is this ha in the, this special session yeah. after HH? I think here's the other, was he waiting to see if HH passed? Before, would they have had a special session anyway for the EBT thing if HH passed? 
I don't, I did not hear a single thing about yeah. this until that came up. So that's a, an excellent question. Um, and I, I would never assert to say I could read the governor's mind on it. But I mean, it's food for kids, and yeah, if they have yeah. to get it done. They get it. I, I, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, I just I think it was. I think it was weird that 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 went on. Let me tell you something really cool before we get back into the other stuff that the governor did do, and I sent this out in the email. But uh, he recognized the top science schools, oh, yeah. K through twelve science schools in the state, one of which is Rye High School, and my husband TJ yeah. Blackhurst is one of the is one of the teachers there. It's it's TJ Blackhurst and Kathy Dodge, and they they make up the science department at Rye High School. So this is uh, it comes with a that recognition comes with a fifty thousand dollar grant or gift, um, and. You know, there's it's it was not it was fairly narrow on what they had to spend it, but basically it goes to the classroom. So the governor definitely listens on. We want to see money in the classroom, yeah. And you know that the, those can, um, can they spend it on anything? Um, well, they can they can only spend it on on programming or if uh, like materials for the classroom and stuff like this. So, but this is truly transformational money, yeah. yeah. And I'll tell you why. So for their department, they their annual budget for both of those. I think it's I think it's something like fifteen preps between the two. Um, it's something like that. They have an eight hundred dollar budget. So now there was like, oh my gosh! So they went from an eight hundred dollar budget to fifty thousand dollars. So fifty thousand dollars. That's so awesome. one of the reasons that this is really impactful is my like for example, my husband. You know, if he does a lab, if there's anything that they do at the lab, we end up purchasing it. And so yeah. it's, you know, that kind of thing, but he does a lot of online or, or virtual labs. So he was telling me this morning that this will be the first time that any of his kids in about 10 years have had the opportunity to have do actual labs. That's cool. So actual science labs. So there's, there's really cool things like that, that they're doing. And, and, um, Kathy Dodge, who is, is his sort of his partner in crime at school, um, they are, uh, they're really excited and they're doing some really cool things. But the other part of this that was really cool is that they're going to get to do some professional development. Um, so, you know, when you mm. imagine that these guys have the top scores with so little resources and now that they have some resources, you're going to see some really impressive stuff out of that. That was a tangent and sorry we were talking about, but I, I wanted to, to recognize the governor. He really, I think he really does. If, if anything, he really does care about education and kids. And so it doesn't surprise me that he would put that in there to make sure that that gets done. Um, the other, so back to your previous question about would he have had a special session had HH not passed? So the Republicans did ask twice in about a month's time, the last month of the election, they asked twice for a special session with some proposals of, of some things that would need to be done. That That request wasn't denied, but it wasn't answered either. Hmm. So again, not to, you know, try, um, nobody's going to really be able to read the governor's mind on things, but I was really surprised at that. So my, my, my look at that says that nobody expected HH to fail that miserably. Yeah. I, again, I thought it was going to pass or at least be close, but it, it was, it flopped. And even some of the other local stuff here, like the, um, 
the tax? Was it the lodging tax was rejected? The lodging tax was rejected. So they wanted to, yeah, they wanted to move um, some of the lodging tax dollars to daycare or something like that. Yeah. So, so the, I guess here's the thing, and and the taxpayer bill of rights is really if there's a message here that Tabor that taxpayer bill of rights, it's 30 years old, but Coloradans are serious about it, and there's been every effort in the last 30 years to try to get that overturned, get rid of it, or whatever. But uh, Coloradans aren't aren't going to put up with that. And it's unique in the country. We're the only state in the union that has a taxpayer bill of rights that says, you better come to us before you decide to spend more of our money or increase our taxes. And and they're not kidding about it at all. So this was interesting. We'll see what comes out of that. Um, we actually, uh, I'm going to go up there and kind of sit through some of, uh, some of that session mm-hmm. and just... C- See, I, I really want to see how the discussion goes with regard to that because this is one of the things uh, that if, if something's not done, you're going to see the biggest tax increase in Colorado history. And it affects every single homeowner and everybody who owns property, who owns real property, like, you know, real estate. Yeah. Uh, it's going to affect all of us, and, and we know it's going to it's going to hit us. And when you look at everything else, that the prices on everything else is going up. This is not this is no small thing, at all. So here was the other thing that was wildly interesting, and some of our inner circle were texting back and forth about it, and I haven't seen anybody else report on it, and it wasn't. Um, on the Secretary of State's website, or there, I think finally the chieftain finally said something about it, and this was unexpected. So, first off, the the voting turnout, the selection was terrible. I mean, it wasn't super terrible, but it was less than it usually is. So we, we by quite a bit, right? Yeah, by a few percent from twenty twenty one. So, in your experience, what does that mean when you have a low voter turnout? Um, there, it, it's an off year. It's not a presidential election, so a lot of people don't vote. But um, this was even down from other off years. It is down by two percent. So it, it's it is low. It's not. Is good. it statewide yeah, or statewide. is that? So here's why that's so bizarre. So. So, you know, now everybody just has to mail in their ballots. It's like a thousand times easier to vote than it's ever been or drop them off. It's just so much easier now. And the, and it's still abysmal is, I I think people are just burnt out. I think it's just the apathy. Yeah. They're just not enthused about, about voting anymore. And, And I honestly don't know breaking down local elections, what the turnout is now versus two years ago. But I mean, off election years are always low. Like it's, it's standard. It's not, I don't think it's a big deal, but Pueblo for the first time ever went Republican across the board. Okay, say that again. So Pueblo and our elections for school district, city council, um, mayor. What else did we have? Water board. It was, you know, at least in the school districts, no incumbent won. Mm -hmm. People don't realize that, like, no incumbent won. Well, Um, Dennis Mays. He wasn't an incumbent. Doesn't Dennis Mays was on the 60 school board? No, I think he, he was on and he ran again. Let me okay. see, I'm pulling it up. 
I think he came back on. Um, yeah, not a single incumbent on the Pueblo D60 board won their race Tuesday night. Mm. So that was Anthony Perko, Sol Sandoval, and Tommy Farrell. Um, they all lost. But, okay, so Pueblo has traditionally been Democrat across the board. Um, I always used to brag Scott Tipton was the first Republican to win nationally Pueblo since like 1972. But for the most part, it, it's it always votes Democrat. Yeah. It's kind of like the Democrat stronghold. There like, was a saying that um, if you want to run for office, yeah. become a Democrat, you're not going to get there any other way. So this time um, it went all Republican across the board. The only two seats that weren't were the um, school board because you had Bill Tebow and Judge Mays. And I think one of them's unaffiliated and one's a Democrat, but there weren't any other Republicans running on it. Okay. And the Republican took the first. I'm sorry, Brian, it begs the question. And if you don't want to comment, you don't have to, but it begs the question, how the hell did that happen? So I know Judge Mays, I don't think he was supported by the Democrat Party. I know Bill Tebow was, was. So there was uh, there was an article in the Chieftain, and we knew it was going on. There was a group out of, oh, where's it at? It's, Is it Delaware? Yeah. Um, Sorry, I'm pulling up different screens here. Bear yeah. with me. Um, dark money group from Delaware spending thousands in Pueblo's up- upcoming election. So they had a slate of candidates they supported. You saw the mailers. It was all these candidates together for school district, you know, everything. Um, they were putting this money in. I believe our Pueblo's own Sal Pace was kind of coordinating that. He was a consultant hired on it. And um, the Dem party chair, she was also kind of involved with this. They all lost. Like other than Tebow and Mays. Everybody lost. They so. did not. They did not support or endorse Mays at all. In fact, yeah. he, he texted me. Oh, the, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he texted. So me. It was they supported Tebow, but not Mays? Yeah, is what it was. Yeah, and um, yeah. So you got the the mayor election where Heather Graham took it by two percent over Mayor Gratishar, and then next I believe was um, Chris. Chris Nickel, which I th- I thought was surprising. I thought maybe he didn't have the name recognition. And then you had Randy Thurston, mm-hmm. who we, we've had on the show. And, and then Dennis, Dennis Flores yeah, were Dennis kind of the big ones. But Heather Graham actually beat Nick Gra- Mayor Gratisar in it. So there will be a runoff election. I think it's January like 17th or 24th or something when that'll go out. And the I'm, ballots go out the 4th. Yeah. And I'm moderating the, um, I'm moderating the debate, that debate on the 4th. But interesting, like on top of this, so school board and city council and all these other like water board, they're nonpartisan races. Right. So you don't vote for the Democrat. You don't vote for the Republican. It just lists the names. Now the parties do support the candidates they went in. They went in, of course. And, you know, you could check. And everybody knows who's no and what party. And if they don't know, they look it up in two seconds. So traditionally, Pueblo City Council has always been straight Democrat. Mm-hmm. Now there's only two Democrats on city council. Really? Yep. And same thing with county commissioners. So it's always been Democrats. Now you have a Democrat, an unaffiliated, and a Republican on it. Uh, basically, like I said, they, they clean house. And there's multiple reasons for this. Yes, um, that's what I want to get into. Sorry, I can put my notes down. So you had coordination on both sides and you had money from both sides or dark money, whatever they call it. So this group, it was like economic development, something, something. I want to go back and make a point before you go on. And I'm sorry to interrupt you. Um, so the reason that you have dark money in local elections. So like, why do they care? It's the kind of the old political strategy. So 
the Dems used to be really good at it and they figured it out first. They're like, okay, we're going to throw all money in the president, senators and Congress governors. They said, Hey, why don't we start at like school board races, right. local races, and then fill that up. And then that's kind of the stepping stone. So, you know, you get elected to the power utility board or whatever, you know, um, the water board. And then, you know, you run for city council and then county commissioner. And that's kind of how you build your political career. So the Dems a long time ago said, we need to concentrate more on these local smaller races. One, it's not that much money. Like back in the day, $5,000 could win a race in a local election. You have like for local dog catcher out there, you're spending like 200 bucks on signs and a couple t-shirts, right? Right. So you have like the, the, the dark money, quote unquote, that's affiliated with the party come in and spend this money. Now the dark money doesn't really contribute directly. They can in, in kind. And it depends. Like every election has different rules. So you have this group of people that have a lot of money and then they send this money to local elections. That's what they did here. The Republicans did the same thing too. So the Republicans had money that was funding door knockers, mailers, text messaging, right. a lot of mailers on it. And that's kind of the Republican dark money. So it was on both sides. It's just not on one. And the chieftain did cover the Democrat side, the group from Delaware yeah. that we we're talking about. So it's a way for a candidate that may not have money, may not be getting direct donations or can't take money for a group to support them because that's the values that the group supports. And it right. doesn't even have to be party based. It could be like the builders association. There's like, you know, home builders or constructions have a national group that's going to spend money on candidates that are more friendly to like construction or right. something, you know, it's standard. well, but, but it, it, I mean, I think it's kind of BS. Like the money's when, worth more on for local elections. Yeah. And I think it, it, I think it's a way to skirt around campaign finance laws. Like, honestly, you're not going to see any change in this until they actually reform campaign finance. And I think that's a big deal because you can have, you know, a limit at the contributions you get as a candidate, but then you can have groups dump like, you know, say I'm limited to $350 donations. I'm not going to get a lot of money, but this group could come in and dump $10 million in my race. And that's the same thing. I think that if you gave the candidate $10 million, so there needs to be some. So the candidate and the race are considered two different things. Yeah. Yeah. And and then the group does not, this one was a little bit different, but a lot of times you'll see commercials and this is interesting. This is like a secret. So whenever there's a big race, go to their YouTube and you'll find weird video of them just like hanging out with their family, walking down the street. So if you're watching a race for Senator or Congress, you could go to their YouTube channel and there will be like 20 minutes of B roll footage, no music, no words. And then magically, and that's publicly <laughs> available and they do that on purpose. So they put it up there and then these groups, the, oh, the dark money groups get that. it yes. and then and they, they make, use it for their ad and they make the it ads. for their ad. And then, you know, at the end of the commercial, you say, you'll see something like, you know, this message was paid for by United States citizens for free airplanes, not related to <laughs> Senator Brian McCain or the campaign to elect Senator Brian McCain. So it's it's a really sneaky way. And again, have this we, have all we bought goes that back. Don't bo- domain name yet, Senator no, Brian McCain. No, no then that does not need to be bought. Um, <laughs> So there's, there's that way. Now these groups, they did do in-kind donations. So I, I thought it was interesting. Like one of the candidates who, who lost, he, he was my friend. He's actually been on the show before. Um, he had these signs and I'm like, how much money are you raise a man? He's like, I've raised like $500. I'm like, dude, those signs cost $500. $500 a piece. That's what it was. It was the in-kind donations to it. And you know, that sort of thing. Well, they supported all these candidates. They had a lot of money. The chieftain said they'd spent and we won't know the numbers till next month, but you know, at least 27,000 in donation, in kind donations and some other stuff. And there were quotes like, I 
had no problems with them. Like it seems like a good group of people, all of their candidates lost except for Bill Tebow. But again, I think that was just some, somebody had to be picked. Bill Tebow is a name people trust and recognize in Pueblo. That's why he won. I think judge Mays, he said some things and he didn't have the support of the, the Dem party. He did not, um, you know, but people know him. I drive by his building every day and, and he does care. Like I judge Mays, like he, he does care. I've been to many school board meetings where he's just sitting he in the absolutely audience. Like, does. And he even said, I care about our children and their families. And, and, you, and he's one of those, those people, either you adore him or you can't stand him. Yeah. yeah. I'm in the adore yeah, no, I, team, I like him. but yeah. Um, but anyway, um, so that money flopped right there. Now on the Republican side, you had, um, well, it was Stephen Varela. You know, he was coordinating a lot of this stuff. Um, getting mailers out, um, bringing people in to knock doors, to walk. Uh, the Republicans didn't get involved in the mayor's race at all, okay. which also says something, too. They they said they did a mailer that said, hey, here's all the conservative candidates running for mayor. And some of these candidates, like Chris Nickel, you know, he was a Democrat. He switched to Republican. Like, it wasn't the mayoral candidates weren't longtime Republicans or right. anything. And on both sides, you saw in the past like four years, everybody switched parties. Everybody switched like parties. Every other month. So, but except I've got to point out, I don't think that Nick Gratishar or Heather Graham have ever switched parties. Uh, Nick has not. Um, I th- I don't know about Heather, but I know Nick. I think, yeah, but I thought, I thought you looked involved. it up. Yeah, the other I can't day. remember. But so the party affiliation, whatever. So you, you had um, coordinated efforts and money on both sides doing this. So the Republicans, they were out knocking doors. I saw a ton of mailers, some pretty negative ones. Um, oh, see, I didn't, because oh, yeah. we live up in Rye. So you didn't get it. But so like, we didn't get it. I, I saw them. And on the Democrat side too, my complaint, this is where I think the Democrat side kind of went wrong. They had this um, school board one where it's like support these candidates. And it had a picture of them. Like that picture was terrible. Like they looked angry and pissed off. And it's like, when I saw that, I was like, I would not vote for any of these people. Like it was just kind of yeah. like if you were smiling, but it, like, it was not. a. That's not who you want making yeah, decisions yeah. about your it kids. Was, it was kind of weird. It was almost like pretentious or, you know, like look at us anyway. So let's take it. Let's look at it this way. So there was a conservative effort on both sides f- to have this machine to support these candidates, except for mayor. And that's important here. That is important. I, the Democrat side did go into the mayor race because they were defending the incumbent. So okay, yes, they, yeah, yes, so yes. This big Democrat Delaware machine was supporting Nick Gratishar. Okay, the Republicans were not supporting anybody for mayor. They just said, That's "Here's all the Republicans. We would, you know, we're not telling you which one to pick." It was actually kind of like a handwritten note almost that I got in the mail. Said these are the conservative candidates running for mayor. Vote please. That was it, and it listed like four of them. Uh, anyway. But again, this is important. So on all the other races, let's just say that the efforts from both groups negate each other, right? Okay. Let's just like an equation, like okay, STJ, right. okay, balancing a chemistry equation. Right, right, right. So let's get rid of that. Um, the voters voted Republican in a city where I think the registered Republicans are only 24%. And I think registered Democrats are like 36 or more, and then the rest is unaffiliated. It's unaffiliated. I think the unaffiliated it doesn't mean they're sick of politics. I think people want unaffiliated just to vote in the primary. So, but so take that. That still means people that lean Democrat basically rule Pueblo, right? Right. And, which is why it's always been a Democrat city. 
but the Republicans won. So how? Because how, how, how? I think perception is reality when it comes to politics. Everything is about public safety, homelessness, it crime, and, and education. Jobs. Oh, education and jobs. And jobs. And you're seeing people, and even though Pueblo is a Democrat-heavy town, it's a very Catholic town, and it's very traditional Democrat. And, and the mentality of it is kind of that blue-collar union Democrat, which on top of that, you're seeing the unions kind of shift a little bit too and not be completely one way versus the other. They're right. more in the middle. Um, and, and they're seeing what the news is saying about education. And I'm not saying this is true or I support this or disagree with it, but Hey, they're giving our kids all these crazy books and like, they're teaching this stuff, you know, the Facebook news and like the shock, like the Fox news stuff. So you have these conservative Democrats in Pueblo and they're like, what the heck? But at the same time, I think the Democrat party and even local to a point has really been pushing that far left agenda more and more in Pueblo. And I don't think that far left agenda. And I mean, how many times have you heard it from Democrats in Pueblo where they're like, I think that's too far. That's too extreme. I don't agree with that. I'm still a Democrat. Like um, our yeah, good friend, no, Commissioner Epi Griego, he's like, I'll never be a Republican, but I'm yeah. not. If this is where the party's going, I'm not a Democrat. You're seeing more and more of that. And their only choice on this ballot was the Republican based on their perception of reality. Again, not saying it's true or false, but just the narrative out there. They don't agree with that. And that it showed in this election that that they don't agree with this far left agenda. And I also think people are fed up because everybody's saying like, well, what do you care about crime and homelessness? And then you have the mayor and politicians say it's not that bad. Like, it's really not that yeah. bad. When you, like, when you're you, making this, this up. This is my, my big, yeah. so it doesn't matter who is going to say that. If you say, my biggest concern is this, and you're like, oh, it's not that bad. And and you get like from, yeah. you get from like a mayor or a county commissioner or city council, like, well, you're wrong. I've seen that many times too yeah. from these elected officials when somebody's like, you know, what are you going to do about all the homelessness and the drug addicts? And they're, they're like, you're wrong. It's not that bad. Crime's actually gone down. That's not the perception out there. And we could get into that where I think the reported crime's gone Reporting, down, but, yeah. but that's a whole different conversation. Again, we're dealing with reality is perception. Perception is reality. So when we, so this was, this so was, they wiped the slate clean. Yeah. They're sick of this. And I know the Dems are saying, oh great, we just elected a bunch of far right wackos, but I, put up better candidates if that's, <laughs> you don't yeah. want to get elected. Well, I think that, <laughs> that disconnect, but when we were prepping for the the all the mayoral debate and we were asking so many people every and and Dwayne was getting feedback you were getting feedback yeah. I was getting feedback and we were all doing it separately by the way of course you and I would check in yeah, with each other yeah. but without fail the very first thing was was crime and homelessness every time again and then perception is perception reality is, and even if crime has gone down i still drive down the street and see like 30 homeless people downtown on my way to work every day like okay crime you could say crime's down all you want and maybe it is but when i drive to work there's literally people on the street passed out and again that's actually what i see but but i'm saying this is like the average person in yeah. Pueblo. They're like, you're telling me crime's down and I go to Dunkin' Donuts and there's like 20 homeless people sleeping right there. And these using are, drugs. and here's the other thing. The people of Pueblo 
are just the best hearted people. They yes. are. And, and they don't see that as an answer like, oh, it's getting better. I and know. they see this and their hearts hurt well, for these people. Well, they really do. And, they don't like things that keep them on the street. And you saw this, the, the big controversy in Pueblo over everything is the needle exchange, right? Right. And the second you say, I don't like this you get this response that says like, well, you don't know the facts. Like this actually helps people. And it's like, Hey dude, I don't care. I just don't want a needle exchange next yeah. to my kid's school. Like, and that was added to two. And I think the people that, that on one side that were really supportive of that and, and are, you know, like they're not being tactful. They're like almost talking down to the people that are concerned. It's like, I go up and I'm like, Hey, I'm really worried about this. And it's kind of like the people that are elected are talking to me like I'm an idiot and I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Which I I wasn't going to say it, but I've noticed it. And watching some of the city council meetings, some of the other stuff, they're literally just like, well, you're wrong. And they get very defensive and very angry. So, and, and the only one that answered it right in the debates that I watched with you was uh, Brandon, Brandon Martin. Martin. Brandon Martin. Yep, he's, was he was like, say. he's like, no, I don't want, what do you say? The location is very important. I don't want a needle exchange. Says, it works other places, but, but it doesn't work in Pueblo. Yeah. And he said like, there is statistics that show that this works if it's done the right way, which is true. I believe yeah. it's true. But again, this, this whole talking down on, I'm like, when you heard it from the other hand, I was like, this is a good thing. This works. You need to be quiet. Like you're not reading yeah. the facts. And, and I really respected Brandon Martin yeah. for saying that what yeah. he said. And, and, and I, I just think people got sick of it and they just flip Pueblo. Like Pueblo is run by Republicans now, basically. And if that's say. not a message from yep. the citizens of Pueblo and Pueblo County, but citizens of Pueblo, I don't know what it is. But really, it was just because on my ballot, it was just HH and yeah. II. Yeah. So, it, it, like, this statistically should not have been possible in Pueblo. It should not have been. Nobody would have predicted and I'm not, this. I'm not saying it's going to be the norm going forward. I think, you know, it's kind of like the Dems in the legislature. It's like now the Republicans are kind of the dog that caught the car and we'll see if they, if it gets better or not, I'm being totally nonpartisan. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. But I people want to change and we just saw a change in Pueblo. And interestingly enough too, you know, the, the union supported school board candidates won across the state except for Pueblo. And it was Bill Tebow was the only one that was supported by the, the union. But wow. again, he was like the, the check mark and everybody knows him. But yeah, so all the other union supported um, school board candidates in Pueblo did not win the election, but across the state they did. So Pueblo kind of, and again, rejected Pueblo. Prop HH wholeheartedly in Pueblo. Yeah. I don't think I, I, I think it was close last time I checked. I don't know what the final numbers were. And then, um, we rejected the two, a lodging tax increase, Yeah, which again, like that's, that's kind of huge here. Cause normally that's not how our elections go. Like maybe you'll get a Zach Swearingen, commissioner Swearingen, you know, he got in there Yeah, and I, everybody thought that was just a one-off, but with this out there again, our city council has two Democrats on it now. So we watched and we, I was looking at some of the stuff in other, uh, in other parts, of course, um, Joey Alla, uh, and he was in our academy, but he won pretty handily out in La Junta. Um, mm-hmm. and there was a, um, and this was the other interesting one in La Junta, they had a, a sales tax increase that was vital yeah. and it passed very handily. Oh, it did. So, and then in Trinidad, you saw same thing. You saw a lot of, um, folks, there was a lot of, uh, people on the ticket for mayor, um, and the unexpected candidate. So here's what, I, here's my, here's what I'm saying is, uh, 
people sort of in our arena look at these things, they make their predictions, they do all that. They say, this is what it, you know, this is what they're thinking. I think what they weren't counting on is that voters are paying far more attention to what actually is going on than anybody, than some of the campaigns gave them credit for. So if you, if we were to say, so you just laid out the, how it happened and and the the what happened and how it happened. I'm going to say the why it happened is because we, you know, we yeah. didn't expect anybody to be paying as close of attention. Even though we, you know, the conversations that we have, and it's a little bit different because you and I don't aren't running for office. Yeah, and so oh, and I'm reading this here too. Like there were like Roger Gomez won against Vicente Councilman Ortega, and um, de, kind of going back to that. Sorry, I'm on a yeah 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 train like. Um, Roger Gomez is unaffiliated. He's not a Republican, right? But he leans to the Republican side. He does. But that was one where I saw nothing on that race at all. And just, that just goes to show you that they didn't like the politics of the current city councilman and they voted, you know, anything but that it seems like. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. No, no, no. I just, I just think that, um, this, Hey, it's all going to be all right. Just vote for us and we're going to take care yeah. of it. Yeah. That's no that longer. time is done. I think so too. And it, it's the next election other than the mayor election here, but the next election is going to be a presidential election. Year. Yeah. 24 is going to be really, really interesting. And, and that's where we're going to see did well, depending on who the Republican candidate is like, <laughs> like we talked about with Beasley, did a lot of these people get in just because they were affiliated with Trump and it wasn't a vote for the Democrats, but a vote against Trump. Yeah. So if Trump's not the presidential nominee, how is this going to play What's out across the board in Colorado if voters were voting against Trump and there's no Trump to vote against? Are they still going to vote the same way, which I don't think they will. I think Prop HH showed that yeah. wholeheartedly. Um, but again, you have Denver and Boulder, which are voting machines. You know, but you know, except for we can we can cite a couple of of exceptions in the last few years. But what's what's been really interesting for Colorado as a whole is that they tend to vote for in the last ten years or so. They've tended to vote for, um, for the most part, for Democrats, like the people that are Democrats, but they still vote very conservatively. Yes. On ballot, on yes. issues, on ballot initiatives, on and props and stuff like that. Yeah. On taxes and all of that. Colorado is just wildly interesting. Pueblo is just fascinating to watch. Uh, and and I think for whatever reason, and, and we talk a lot about, you know, how information gets out, it's it's a changing world. That landscape is, is wildly different than it was pre-pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I Again, I think this just goes to people are sick of business as usual right now and – People are hurting pretty bad, and they keep hearing these promises from both sides of the aisle. Yeah, and it's not working. I think exactly. This, I think incumbents are in a really bad spot. I think even in this presidential election next year, it's going to be tough to be an incumbent. I I, I think that's where you're really going to see the voters come out, and it's like you had your chance for the past two to four years. Try something new. So, and I think for both sides, for of the both aisle. sides, yeah. And and one of the things that has to be and because you always hear about, you know, it's it's always what God, gun, and taxes or something, yeah, yeah. you know. But it's basically those kinds of things where you know education gets talked about every election. We don't see a whole lot of things changing. Broadband, 
Oh my like, gosh. For 15 years I've been here and broadband's the number one like campaign priority. People like, oh, now I'm going to bring broadband to rural Colorado to everybody. And yeah. it's, it still hasn't happened. It still yet. hasn't happened. And then, then it's a Republican in and the Democrat <laughs> opponent's like, they did nothing for broadband. I'll do everything. And then the Democrat gets in and then the Republican yeah. in the runs is like, they promised to do everything for broadband and did nothing. Like I've seen that consistently over 20 years. In fact, I was talking to uh, somebody that works in the broadband space the other day and he was like he's no longer in the residential side he's just federal side so he just does like federal oh, uh-huh. broadband contracts and he's like when are they gonna fix this like i've been working here for 25 years and it's all about broadband across colorado and i ain't seen nothing he straight up said it and he used to work for CenturyLink. oh yeah so you know of course broadband's one of the things that we've been working on pretty heavily for the last six well since april yeah. honestly and uh and we've had some we've had some successes in getting a few things fixed i'll say that actually if any if it broadband actually gets delivered to the places that we've been trying to see it i'll be so thrilled i would be so yeah. thrilled but i would be surprised it's closer than I'll it's be ever been and, surprised. and it's better than it's ever been but we'll it see. is we'll it see is there's works. still a lot that goes into that i think Right now, as everybody's trying to remake the world, and that's really what's going on, is we're all trying to remake the world after the pandemic. The number one thing is, can we afford to remake the world? And that feels less and less in our hands. So when you're talking about financially what you know what needs to be done, how are we we effective? And even as we're thinking about this for ourselves internally, it's still going to be can you pay your bills? Can the yep. normal people, just everyday hardworking people, pay their bills? Yep. And every time somebody adds and they're like, well, it's not that much that we're adding. But if you have $100 and you're like, well, you have $100, we're only asking for a buck fifty. But if you have 300 people asking for a buck fifty, it yep. doesn't pencil. People vote with their pocketbook more than anything. More than anything. Yeah. It makes a difference. And it's it, it indicates how you... So when you add burden, that indicates how you value that the people so that you're I, adding burden to. And I talked to two candidates that are running for Congress, and they were both out for the same seat, and they were both out in some of the really rural areas that are impacted by you know, this energy transition, coal mines shutting down, power plants, all that stuff. And both of them said, like, it's rough. They're like, you think you're hurting? Like, go over to these counties and these oh, towns. It's so bad. Without, right without yeah. a doubt, without a doubt, it's you know we worry about Coloradans being able to live in Colorado five years from now. Yeah, that's yeah. a genuine worry. But so this was really interesting. I think it's a, a preview of coming attractions, as my dad used to say, and we're going to be watching it and we're going to keep you as updated as we can on some of these things. And, and then ask us the questions. So my question to you, uh, if you'll email me back at show at action22.org, how will the, um, if it's, if something's not done with the taxes, how is that going to affect you? Yeah. Like, can you, I, I need real dollars in order for us. This is the kind of information that really makes a difference in, in the work that we do and the advocacy that we do for you. If we can say, this is how it's going to be. So my tax bill is going to go up $500 a month. And this is what that means for my family. 
that's what that's what we need to hear and to know in order for us to take that to these decision makers and and make it real for them. Yeah, I'll just sell a kidney that should get me through the year. I think I think you're fine. How are your kidneys? They're good. good. Um, so yeah, so that's how I'm going to get through it. No, so um, Brian's kidneys are going to be up on sale eBay. Yeah, it's a little too mainstream. Facebook? I have to go to the dark web for that one. Oh, yeah. Anyway, um, so go email us at show at action22.org. You can actually go to makingactionhappen.com, and we have a website for the show. It posts the newest episode, and you can find us on any podcast platform in the Voice America Network. Um, nominations. Uh, Academy nominations are coming up. Not the Service Academy nominations, but we're accepting people that are interested in our Leadership Policy and Governance Academy. Send me an email, go to our webpage, or you could just email academy at action22.org and get with me, and I'll go through the process of that. And we're, we're going to keep it until- up until the mid-January. I think around January 15th will be the cutoff date. Make our decision by the end of the month. So you have a few months to get that in. Any questions at all, just email me. Um, we making action happen in action 22 do not support or endorse candidates in an election season, but we offer a platform for anybody running for office. If you are a member of action 22. Um, so email us. And if you're a candidate or you're thinking of running, this is going to be a big year. Join action 22 and come on the show. Tell us what you're about. Um, the views and opinions on making action happen do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of action 22, its board or its membership, except for prop HH, which we were adamantly opposed to. <laughs> so I could say that. And, say that. and again, just email us at show at action 22.org. And Chad Borthman, I know you're listening. You're going to probably hear this right before we see you at the uh, at the Farm Bureau annual meeting um, coming up next weekend. However, we would like before that time for you to send us or reach out to us and tell us who you nominate for the 2024 Leadership Policy and Governance Academy. And stay tuned. Please listen to this show. Find us, like us, subscribe to us. We're going to be covering the special session uh, that's coming up next week. And um, if you want your information, it will be out there on our website, on our show. Just please follow us and come along with us on the ride. And that helps support what we do. Thanks so much. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to Making Action Happen. Be sure to join your hosts, Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain, for another edition of the show on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.